Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast on the A to Z Sports Podcast Network. I'm Jack Gentry here with Austin Huff. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Jack A. Gentry. He is at Austin Huff. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. On Instagram, we're at Tighten Up Podcast. On Twitter, Tighten Up Pod. And as always, follow A to Z Sports on all of your social media platforms. We have got a really fun sode coming at you. So buckle up. Chad Withrow joins us from the midday 180 on 104.5 The Zone. We're going to ask him how much it sucks to work with Jonathan Hudden. And really, that's all. That's the only reason we brought him on. We're only going to talk about <laughs> how much Jonathan Hudden sucks for just 30 minutes straight. He was good, okay, though. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, he was good. He was good on the topic. Um, no, we'll, we'll also talk a little bit of Titans with him. <laughs> but mostly how much we hate J-Hot. Also, Adam Rank came out with his season prediction for the Titans this year. And if you remember Adam Rank from last year, you know that he is going to be painfully wrong. And apparently redrafts are all the rage these days. Also, oh. Lamar <laughs> yeah, uh, is right. And apparently Lamar Jackson overlooked the Titans, uh, you think? <laughs> Plus, uh, we've got a Remember the Titan and an email for you. So we've got a loaded show. So we, I don't know why we're wasting more time by just talking about the show. We should just go ahead and get to the show. But before we get to Tuppen, I got to talk to you about TennesseeTickets.com. The only place to trust with your money on the secondary ticket market. You want a fun, a fun tidbit? Well, you came in the right place because I've got a fun tidbit for you right here. 100% guaranteed money back if games are canceled. That's the big question right now. Are there going to be fans in the stands? We don't know. But if there are not fans in the stands, there will be money back in your pocket thanks to TennesseeTickets.com. They're not going to give you just a gift card or or store credit or anything like that. They're going to give you the cash that you paid for those tickets back just straight up because they're nice people like that. They've got great customer service. They've got great prices. Oh, and uh, free tailgates, both food and bar for all Titans home games. I don't know why you would buy your tickets from anyone else. Plus, they're local. And we need to support local, especially in these trying times. It's 2020, the year of local. Local fights back this year. Use code TITANS20 for $20 off Titans tickets. And you know what? With that said, let's talk Titan. I hear the train a coming. It's rolling around the bend. And I ain't seen the sunshine since I don't know when. What is up, Flameheads? Welcome into the Tighten Up Podcast. Today is June 17th, 2020. Happy belated 615 day to all of you out there. Uh, only a couple days late with that one. <laughs> but now, now is the time. Look, the last few weeks, we've had um, we've had a lot of, you know, Clowny Watch updates. And, and apparently, from what I'm hearing, my, my sources are telling me that we have... Yet another important update this week. So with that, I will send it down to my colleague, Jack, for a very important announcement. Jack, what do you got for us? Yeah, thanks, Austin. So the backup quarterback watch continues. And Clowney watch continues. All right. Okay. So, wow. So that's huge news. I That's two you know, really- news. For one, for one report, two tidbits for one. 
Yeah, you know, and it is funny. The Clowny Watch update kind of gets all the love for, you know, and everyone's hashtagging hashtag Clowny Watch 2020 or just hashtag Clowny Watch, which is important. Don't get me wrong. It's not it, it's not any less important than it was. It's still very important. But you know what? Not a lot of people are talking about backup quarterback watch. And maybe that's something that our podcast spearheads, maybe that's something we get behind of hashtag backup QB watch. It's a little little wordier, a little bit more of a mouthful, but I think we could we could really get behind this because it is an important position as we've talked about, and it's one that we need to keep an eye on before the season starts. Yeah, we don't let it slide. We we know how important that position is and has been for the Titans, so we like to cover it, even though it's not the most glamorous or the most talked about position, but it's still important. Yeah, it's very important. So all right, well, with all of the important things out of the way. We're going to get to the uh, the art interview with Chad Withrow, host of the Midday 180 um, on 104.5 The Zone. Really great dude. We had a lot of fun with him. You're going to enjoy this. So why am I still talking? Let's just go ahead and get to it. Tennessee Titans. Titans. Hello. Hello. Our guest this week has become a staple in Nashville radio over the last decade or so. He is the host of the Midday 180 on 104.5 The Zone, which is one of the most popular shows on the radio, and rightfully so, because mainly because of him and Paul Kaharski are just so great. Uh, am I forgetting anyone else? Anyway, uh, he is opinionated, passionate, and hated by Vandy fans everywhere. But on this podcast, he is absolutely loved. You can follow him on Twitter at WithrowZone. He is Chad Withrow. Chad, dude, thank you so much for joining us, man. How are you? Off the top rope to begin, we will not mention he who should not be named on this podcast to start it off the third co-host of Midday 180. I like how you guys started that. And thank you. I am passionate and I am hated by Vandy fans. So at least you got that part of it right. Chad, I actually, I'm going to start with the question that is on everyone's mind. And when I say everyone, I mean everyone on this podcast's mind. Like, how awful is it to have to go into work every single day and work alongside Jonathan Hutt? What I love about your podcast, guys, is that every single time I'm out or I'm on a podcast, the first question I get is how awful is it to work alongside Paul Kuharski, that old Yankee every single day? That's the top question I get. The question, it's either a high school football question, a question about the return of trivia trifecta and will it happen again, and how bad does it suck to work for Paul Kuharski, or not work for him, work with him. I don't want to give Paul that kind of credit. Yeah, right. Uh, but the fact that you guys bring up how bad it is to work with Jonathan Hutton uh, is just amazing to me. And I will say it's very difficult every day to show up and work with Jonathan. Of course, I'm kidding. Uh, I love the guy. He's highly professional, and uh, he's a pleasure to work with, and he's very driven and passionate also. So I actually enjoy working with him regardless of what you guys say about him. Well, you're, you're, you're a better man than us. Uh, I'll say <laughs> that. That's uh, Look, we all know Jonathan Hunt is like one of the nicest and like most generous people in national media. Very charitable. Yeah, very charitable. Man of the year, some would even yeah, say. Yeah, right. Some would even say man of the year. Not not okay. either of these men. The Lymphoma Society, Austin. The Leukemia and Lymphoma Society are that some that said that. Right, right. With But with all that said, he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> 
So what you're telling me is you guys like cancer on this podcast. Is that right? Well, no, we don't. We don't have a stance like on cancer. We, right. we, don't, we don't like to go down that road. Yeah, but because this is the rare pro cancer podcast. Out there. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. You're twisting our words. You guys are right at the top of the Apple charts. I know it. You just can't pit us against Jonathan Hutton with cancer. That's unfair. We're, we're, we're against both. We're against if, both of them. If by cancer you mean Jonathan Hutton, then we are anti-cancer <laughs> all the way. I do love your commitment to the anti-Jonathan Hutton stance, I will say. And uh, Hutton and I have talked about it a little bit. And uh, he, he, while he doesn't like you guys, no. he does love the commitment to being anti-Jonathan <laughs> Hutton that really not enough people have taken that stance. Sometimes I have to bring it up on air that, you know, Hutton's got sort of an angry side also. It's not just me and Paul. Like, Hutton can make people mad as well. He just does a much better job of hiding that angry side at times. But certainly, he's got some fire to him also. Well, yeah. he's not fooling us, Chad. So I have, I have one question about Jonathan for you. Sure. If, if Jonathan was a Starburst, what flavor would he be? Oh, good question. Oh, wow. If he was a Starburst... We had a pinata for my daughter's birthday yesterday, and Starburst were in the pinata. Um, Hutton is kind of the uh, universal people pleaser of the Starburst. I would say the red. Ooh, the that's my oh, flavor, man. Whatever uh, that is. It's the two, red, no, red, red and pink are the best Starburst. Yeah. So he can't be that. Like, we all, already eliminated. All to me is the, is the yellow. Because <laughs> it's very nice. like, you either absolutely love him or absolutely hate him, right? He is the yellow Starburst of show. I, I don't know. I guess I'm pink. If 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 Jonathan yeah. is red, which is more liked, I'm a little bit. You know, some people may not like the pink at all, but I feel like the majority of people enjoy it. So that's how I would go with Starburst flavors. But Hutton to me is definitely a red Starburst of the show. If, okay. yeah, no orange Starbursts. Orange is universally the worst. Well, yeah. orange and yellow. Of, it's funny. I didn't think of orange as a Starburst, and, and I went to UT. And I don't even think of orange as a Starburst color. I almost forgot it. Not, not only is it not well-liked, I forgot about it as a Starburst flavor. Not even yeah. a relevant flavor. <laughs> I was going to say the correct answer to that question is that Hutton isn't even a Starburst. He's black licorice. He's just, just <laughs> the worst. Twizzlers. <laughs> yeah. He is the Jägermeister of candy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You only like him at 2 a.m. when uh, it's closing down at the bar and you need one last shot of something. That's what Yeah. Doing. Then once those lights <laughs> come good. on, you're like, ugh. Have you been hanging out with all night? <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, Chad, okay, so – well, I guess we'll talk Titans, um, just because I honestly, just in my gut, I can't stand to spend another minute talking about Jonathan Hutton. Um, so when it comes to this Titans team, you've obviously, you've, you've grown up in Nashville, Mount Juliet, shout out. And um, you've, you've been a Titans fan since, you know, they came over. You've, you've, you've worked for the zone for, for, you know, over a decade and, they, they're the Titans, uh, you know, radio home. For you, I guess, both as a fan and as a broadcaster, have you, ha have you ever been this excited or anxious for a Titans season coming up? Because I feel like it's, you know, when you've been through the lull of what the Titans have gone through over the last decade, for them to finally actually be good and kind of have some of that national respect a little bit more. Um, it, it, it just, it, it feels like the buzz is a little bit more. Do you have that yourself? 
Yeah, I do. I think back to 2000, you know, after that 99 run to the Super Bowl, and there were heavy expectations coming into that season. That's the one that ended, you know, unfortunately uh, with the interception by Ray Lewis in Nashville yeah. in that divisional round game against the Ravens. 2008 was that great Titan season where they started out, I think, 10-0 and 0 that year. Uh, Kerry Tom Collins, the quarterback yes. of the Titans. Yes. Albert Hainsworth was having himself a year. He was the most dominant force on defense in all of the NFL. Uh, but I don't remember that level of hype going into that season. So just in terms of hype, I can't think of a time where the Titans' identity was more clearly defined and the hype was higher going into a season because of that deep run they made. But, guys, it was also just another 9-7 and seven season. It's right. what's amazing. It was that one run. And, look, they got a favorable draw. You know, with what happened that last week with Miami beating New England and getting the Patriots, that was a great matchup for the Titans. I don't know what in the world happened in Baltimore. I was there. I still don't quite know how they <laughs> dominated that great Ravens team. That was a great performance by the Titans. And then, of course, they run into the buzzsaw and the eventual Super Bowl champions in, in Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. But I do think that there's a lot of hype and there's a lot of reason for that. But I also the other side of my brain says, well, is the hype warranted? Because it's we're still talking about a 9-7 and team that didn't win the AFC South, but yet they got hot in the playoffs. Can they do that again? What I'm most excited about in terms of this hype train is I feel like I know exactly what the Titans are. And the league knows exactly what the Titans are, and you know exactly how you're going to have to play to beat them, but it's very difficult to beat a team with an identity so clearly established. And that's what we have with the Titans, which is exciting. With the Rays' expectations and everything, it, we entered in, into this offseason with the Titans having to make a few moves. They, they brought back Tannehill. They brought back Derrick Henry. They, they brought in Jonathan Joseph. They brought in Vic Beasley. They've done some stuff this offseason, a solid draft. Have they done enough? Boy, I would say they had done enough if they had clearly established backup quarterback right now. Um, with Clowney, then obviously I think they've done enough at that point if he's an addition. It's difficult to say because with that first-round pick with Isaiah Wilson, look, I think he could turn out to be a great right tackle for the Titans for years to come. But while there is that need there, I do think Dennis Kelly is serviceable and showed that throughout his time. So you didn't get that immediate impact need in the first round. But then when Christian Fulton falls to you in the second round, then I love it. I love those first two picks. When I, if I knew that Christian Fulton was falling to the Titans in the second round of the time, I thought they could draft him in the first round, that he was that good of a, a prospect and at a position of need. So I love what they did early on in the draft. I love the, the addition of Darrington Evans. I think Darrington Evans, immediate upgrade over what they had a year ago and Deion Lewis at that backup spot. So I do like what they've added there. Still questions on the defensive line. Jeffrey Simmons, high expectations. We still haven't seen him at 100%, which is also encouraging that he was as effective as he was, not at 100%. But Jarrell Casey's a loss. I mean, it, it, we know why they did it. They, they wanted the cap space. They wanted some, some flexibility, and they didn't want to be tied down to that contract. But not having Jarrell Casey on this team is a loss. So did they do enough to – to make, get better there. Did they do enough at pass rush? I, I think those are legitimate questions. They certainly haven't done enough at backup quarterback. So we know that right now. So, I mean, overall, I'd give them a B minus in terms of offseason and what they've added. But I'm, I'm still a backup quarterback and a Jadavion Clowney away from saying A to A plus. So yeah. you, are, you are a Jadavion Clowney guy. You, you, you would I like am. him. Okay. Yes. I look, at, I look at things in very simple terms. Are you a better football team with this player, right? It's John Robinson's job to look at the finances of it 
and come up with the, this is the deal breaker. We're not going to go over this price or under this price or whatever it is. But Javion Clowney helps the Titans. And you look at what he did with Mike Vrabel with the Texans. There's no doubt. It was his best season statistically. So what he could do in Mike Vrabel's defense specifically, he's a huge help to the Titans defense. I don't think Vic Beasley's enough. Maybe he has a great season. You know, he had the great season, what, three, four years ago now in Atlanta, where he was maybe the best pass rusher in the league. But I don't think that that alone is enough. So if you could get Clowney, especially on Mike Vrabel's defense, that would be big time. And I would feel a lot better about the Titans' ability to get to the quarterback if that's the case. Jack, we, we did it. It's We found been, one. We did it. We've been on a bit of a losing streak lately of people <laughs> who are against having Jadavian Clowney in two-tone blue. But we got it with Chad. And I knew it. I knew when we, when we booked Chad for this podcast, I was like, you know what? He seems to me like a Jadavian Clowney guy, and, and I'm glad. I'm Honestly, I'm glad we got you on the podcast. So, John Robinson made the move with Jarrell Casey for flexibility. See, what I have here is flexibility because I'm not in that Titans locker room all the time with my job as a beat writer. So, I don't – I'm not beholden to John Robinson or Mike Grable <laughs> right. or anyone with the Titans. And I'm not saying that all your guests are. Yeah, no. They are. They are. You, I'll say it for you. They're colored by what <laughs> – John Robinson tells them, right, at times. So if John Robinson – he's saying, hey, hold up, guys. Now, look, here's the issue with paying them the money. And this is – so then you're going to say that back to people. And the other – and this is a Paul Koharski thing, being anti-name. Paul is anti-anyone that fans want if they're a name, right? He's going to poke holes in the name. He hates people that have a big name because the college they went to, because they dominated in the SEC, because everyone knows who they are. And when beat writers get asked about that guy over and over, it, it's – and I get it. You get fatigued. So you're poking holes into why that player doesn't make sense. I'll ask you guys a simple question. Are the Titans better with Jadavion Clowney? You don't even have to answer. The answer is yes. They're a better football team with Clowney. So I say sign him if it's reasonable. I mean, you can't break the bank with a guy, but sign him to a one-year prove-it deal and, and let's roll. Yeah. Yeah, he had a we're pick on, six we're on last the same year. Page about this. Yeah, he had a pick six last year. They could, they could, they could sign him and just – play him in the secondary for all, for all I care, you know, like the, he's a, he's an athlete. He's a good, there's a reason we all know Jadavian Connie's name is because he's a good player and he, and he had his best year under Mike Brabel. Why would you not want to try and match that? I don't know. So we're all on the same page on everything. Everything else we're on the same page, even Clowney as a safety. Austin said, put him in the secondary. Can you imagine going across the middle as a wide receiver? Jadavion Clowney was playing safety. I, I wouldn't want to do that. No. Yeah. Let's, Brandon Cooks let's, let's really roll the dice this year and see where <laughs> right? he Right. Let's take some head off, some heads off, you know. Yes. I, no one's coming across the middle on that defense. Uh, Chad, you, you talked about the backup quarterback. And, and I again, I, I feel like you are just the third member of this podcast because we have had a, a take on this podcast for the longest time about how – the backup quarterback is the most important position on this roster because over the last two years, that has made or th that has been the difference of whether or not the Titans have made the playoffs with Blaine Gabbert and with Ryan Tannehill. And to us right now, that's a vacant spot. Now, obviously, they have the what the Logan Woodside and the um, uh, who's my Hawaii Cole guy? Cole McDonald. Cole McDonald. Sorry, my apologies, Cole McDonald. But, uh, we, like, they, they have those two guys on the roster, but any Titans fan will tell you, like, we're not set at the backup quarterback position right now. Both of those seem like third-string guys. 
who do you think is there anyone that you think that you know obviously we're coming close on this season we're what two months out is there anyone out there right now that you would like as a titans uh backup quarterback oh man um there's no one that really jumps to me. Uh, I mean, this is something that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to go in the draft and draft too high to get a backup quarterback. I get that. I mean, I'll throw out the controversial one that everyone's thrown out right now that the athletic threw out also Colin Kaepernick are the Titans better at backup quarterback with Colin Kaepernick. And there's so many question marks there just from a football perspective. Is he closer to the Colin Kaepernick of what, 2014, 2015, or is he closer to the guy who can't, couldn't hold on to his job with Blaine Gabbert? breathing down his neck with the 49ers, right? I mean, there were issues there other than the kneeling and the reaction to those protests that are out there. But I look at the type of quarterback Ryan Tannehill is with, with his arm and with his athletic ability, and it kind of does make sense. If you had that a level of commitment that you wanted to see and still that level of ability, if Colin Kaepernick hasn't gained 35 pounds and is slow now since the last time he played, from a football standpoint, if you get anywhere close to the good Colin Kaepernick as a backup, that's not a bad solution, um, I will say. Now, there's going to be some visceral reaction to that if the Titans, you know, a team in a, a red state in the south were to drop, were to, uh, to sign Colin Kaepernick. I mean, you'd be naive to say that no one's going to have any problem with it. There are going to be people with a problem with it. But I'm just throwing it out there from a football perspective. What do you guys think? Because I think it does make some sense if he's decent at all. Well, I think Colin Kaepernick would be less controversial than Jonathan Hudden. So, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm in. I, I, no, I, I agree with you, Chad. From a football perspective, that actually makes a ton of sense. And he's been staying in shape and he's been staying healthy. And he even had that workout that, um, you know, where he, you know, he changed the location for teams and stuff. But from the people that were there, he looked good um, in that workout. So he's still, he's still got the knack to play, but yeah, you're right. You're right. When you say, and I think it's fair to say, because, you know, many people will say, well, why isn't Colin Kaepernick getting a shot? You do have to remember that his last few years, uh, before the protests, he wasn't great. He wasn't a great quarterback and he was, it was almost like the league started to catch up to him because he was, he was a, uh, I mean, we're talking about a quarterback that led the 49ers to the Super Bowl. So he's good enough to, to win games, but towards the end there, things started to come apart. The wheels started to come off the bus a little bit. So I do think it is fair to say like, you know, which, which I think your take is is spot on, which Kaepernick are you getting? And if you're getting the better of the Kaepernicks. I don't know if you guys, I'm so bad with years. Wasn't that like 2012, that Super Bowl year with the Ravens, the 49ers? The Harbaugh, yeah. That's a long time ago, right? That's eight years ago we're talking about that he led that team to the the Super Bowl. And things started to fall apart after that leading up to 2016, uh, where he's been out of the league since. So, again, I'm going solely on if you could get 60 70% of the good Kaepernick, I think that's a great option as a backup quarterback. We have no clue. Right. And no way of knowing if he's anywhere near that, having not played competitive football in so long. Here's the other importance of, of the backup quarterback this year, COVID-19. The, with the protocols in place in NFL, if Ryan Tannehill pops for a, a, a temperature on the way into the Titans facility and he has to be quarantined for 14 days, even if he doesn't have symptoms, you need that backup quarterback in place. 
I mean, that's that's something else to focus in on this year with with all teams at all levels is how important that backup quarterback is going to be. It's always important because guys aren't making it through a full season most of the time now, but especially because of that factor. I think I think it goes back to the question: Does he make the team better? And I, I look at the backup quarterback position the way it is right now, and I I don't think he makes it worse certainly. And the Titans have always they, they've had their eye on him for a few years. They attended that workout that that was kind of a disaster down in Atlanta. So they have had some interest from from the beginning. It seems I'm interested to see if they'll they'll end up pulling the trigger because you're right. It is a red state. It will be controversial. Um. So so the reaction. It, that'll be something to watch but in terms of with who they have now they're missing a defensive coordinator really well they well they lost Dean Pease no one knows who's going to call the shots on defense you mentioned Vrabel had some decent success in Houston before coming over calling plays on the defensive side of the ball who do you think is going to end up with that play sheet on defense I mean I think it's going to be Mike Vrabel a majority of the time I'm so uncomfortable with this uh, play calling by committee thing where there's like this fluid like oh sometimes this guy's gonna call and then maybe I might come in and call it I mean Mike Vrabel said this in his opening press conference ultimately he could call offensive plays too and he does that at times I mean the head coach can come in and say exactly what he wants done at any point so I understand that he could play that card at any time with a play caller I doubt he was playing it that much with Dean Pease Uh, but I mean there's a scenario where they're certainly talking about it before the play and he's giving his input also I don't think he's calling a lot of plays for Arthur Smith on offense either. But, I mean, I, I do think it's going to be kind of a 70-30. You know, Mike Frabel's going to be in charge of the defense as the head coach, and he's going to give his input, and he's going to have some help also. But it's it's Mike Frabel's defense either way. We talk about this a lot at the University of Tennessee. You know, Jeremy Pruitt found out in year one that it's too difficult to call defensive plays and be the head coach. And there were times where he had his back turned to the offense because he's over there coaching the defense. And things are happening in the game. There's fourth downs to be called. And there's things that are happening. And he said, okay, I, I need to take a step back and hire a defensive coordinator. Brings in Derek Ansley. He handles defensive play calling now. Things are better, I think, from that respect. Maybe Mike Vrabel can handle it. Maybe there's a system in place where he's going to handle all of it. I think it's very difficult for any head coach to also call plays on either side of the ball. But maybe Mike Vrabel's the guy cut out for it. We're going to find out because I think he's going to be the primary play caller on defense. That's interesting that you brought up the fourth down situations because although many Titans fans are very pleased with what Vrabel's done here, fourth downs have been kind of shaky for him. It's, he's made some odd decisions. So you wonder if, if it's maybe too early on in his head coaching tenure to assume full defensive responsibility. Does, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I think, I mean, again, it's – it takes a special coach at any level to do it. And maybe Vrabel's that coach. Signs are good that he's gonna, he's a really good NFL head coach. And even with that questionable – the questionable decisions you talked about, Jack, and there were a bunch of them that I, I questioned. Just weird times to go for it, um, almost letting teams back in games. I think about that moment in Atlanta. That was just yeah. very strange. Almost killed Brett Kern as well. We can't kill yeah. Brett Kern. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was just – Against the Bucks. He's, he's precious cargo. Uh, never seen anything like that. But, yeah, no, it's – so, I mean, look, there's still – there's some learning on the job going on with Mike Vrabel. And now, if, suddenly, if he's head coach and play caller, there's going to be a lot of learning on the job this year, which I'm just hesitant to hand over to anyone that's not Bill Belichick running the defense and being the head coach for the most part to say this guy can do it. Um, I don't know. I don't know if Mike Vrabel can do it. I guess we'll all find out together. 
So Vrabel, Vrabel had last time he ran the defense was that his last year, I get, I believe in, in Houston um, with that Texans defense and it's a Texas de- Texans defense. that's pretty loaded. If a Titans fan came to you and said, I'm, I'm really worried about Vrabel taking the reins of this Titans defense because his last year in Houston, when he did have control, they were one of the worst defenses, not just in the league, but for that in that franchise's history. Do you account that to Vrabel or do you account that to the influx of injuries that they had that year? Because I mean you can't you can't yeah. not point that out, but it was it's also still pretty bad. Yeah, it's a great question. I would point it more that year to the injuries they had on defense than anything else. And again, if any Titans fan questioned the validity of Mike Vrabel being head coach and DC, I think it's a completely valid question to ask. But it's it's less so for me about his ability as a play caller and more so about the workload on game days of being defensive play caller and head coach that I think is going to be very difficult for him to navigate those waters. But in terms of him, his defensive – being a defensive mind and knowing the game and how quick – I mean, think how quickly he ascended through the coaching ranks. So basically, you know, a graduate assistant at Ohio State to a position coach to the NFL, the Texans, to boom, head coach. You know, after one year's defensive coordinator with the Texans, head coach of the Titans. And that's because anyone who's around him knows this guy gets it. This guy's a great coach. He's going to be a great coach. He's going to be a head coach soon. Titans took a chance on that ability, and it's paid off so far. I, I'm, uh, But, again, I'm hesitant to say that that ability is going to translate to being able to do both. That, to me, is the valid question from Titans fans, and I don't blame any Titans fan for having reservations about their head coach also being defensive play caller. I just hope being DC doesn't take away his ability to run drills with the players. Cause I always, <laughs> I always appreciate that about him in the slacks with the pads on just, you know, knocking players it's so around. It's funny you bring that up Austin, because I typically hate the, like the college wide receiver coach who's out there in gloves. <laughs> yeah, right. you know, he's got the, the, the receiver's gloves on. He's out there running drill. I'm going to show you, you boys how to do it. And he's out there doing it. And he's like trying to like, you know, bump the defensive back off. And it just seems like such overly played stuff. I don't like the coaches to get out and play with the players. But for whatever reason with Brabel, it works. Because he's this big, burly dude. Yeah. He's doing, like, actual strength drills with the guys. And the way that he does it, I don't know. I, I actually like it with him. And typically I hate coaches. Get, and it's also he's still in very good shape. Yeah. He, he was playing in the league, what, in 2012? The last time Colin Kaepernick was great. Yeah. Mike Brabel yeah. was playing for the Kansas City Chiefs. So, I mean, that's one way to look at it. Colin Kaepernick and Mike Brabel might be the same person physically right now. So it makes sense that Brabel's out there running drills. But I don't know. Typically, I don't like it. But with Brabel, it works for whatever reason. So Mike Brabel for backup quarterback, he's thrown touch or he's, he's caught touchdown passes. That's true. In yeah, in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Maybe that is the rabbit in the hat for the Titans. That Arthur he's Smith, he's got quarterback on game days. Arthur Smith's got a deep bag of tricks. That's what I'm going to talk about next is the Titans offense we saw from around week 10 in the season on was one of the tops in the league. Let's play a confidence meter game. I know that's a big sports talk radio show game. (laughs) Confidence meter one to 10. How confident are you that this Titans offense can duplicate what they did last year? Boy, I am confident that they know exactly what they are on the offensive line and that Derrick Henry is going to be an absolute stud once again. I don't know how anyone could have full confidence that you are going to replicate what Ryan Tannehill did a year ago. 
defensive coordinators and defensive coaching staffs in the NFL are very, very good. And I know you can say, well, they had seven, eight weeks to prepare. It's totally different. When you have an off-season of film to watch, and that's all you're doing, and you're seeing the tendencies of a quarterback, um, we saw it a little bit late, you know, against the Ravens and against the Chiefs where he wasn't quite as effective. I, I, I'm i very hesitant to say that you're going to get the same out of Ryan Tannehill. Now, is he going to be a very good quarterback and a good option for the Titans? Sure. Is he going to have a QBR that's the best in the league? No. I don't think anyone could predict that happening again. But if A.J. Brown is even close to what he was a year ago and you get elevated play from Corey Davis, if Jonu Smith can step up, the way we all think he can step up. If Darrington Evans is a better backup option than Deion Lewis, which he, it's not going to take much to do that, if he can be that, with the offensive line they have in place, I think they have a chance to be a very good offense and a very frustrating offense to play because they're going to run the ball and play more physical than most teams on their schedule. And it's just going to be a very different change of pace for these teams. And we saw it in that playoff run a year ago. So will they be as good? Maybe, but I don't think it's going to be because of the quarterback being as good as he was a year ago, if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah, and a healthy Adam Humphreys would go a long way as well. He's a, he's a good safety net guy. They spent $9 million on per, per year at least, and, and he, he really didn't stay on the field a whole lot last year. He's an afterthought too. I mean, that's a great point, Jack, because he's a guy that they were relying heavily on a year ago, and Marcus Mariota loved throwing to him. Remember that first preseason game where he caught, like, the first five passes of the game? And he went, oh, man, Adam Humphrey, that's why you got him. He's getting third and four after third and four. Oh, yeah. Five yards on third and four every time. Chain mover. And then he gets hurt, and uh, it's a totally different uh, different setup for them. But, I mean, Corey Davis in a, in a contract year, you know, this is his year to step it up and shine. He's probably not going to be with the Titans after this year. Adam Humphrey's coming back. I mean, there are some reasons to be optimistic – and you can expect a sophomore fallout fall off a little bit from A.J. Brown, but if he's just close to the dynamic playmaker he was a year ago, they still have a chance to be really good through the air this year. I just – I can't see Tannehill replicating that performance from a year ago. Do you think Darrington Evans will be as good at blocking as Deion Lewis was? And I don't mean pass blocking. I mean just on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that there could be any backup running back for the Titans in history uh, that could be as good. Did Chris Henry, if, if Twitter was around when Chris Henry was the, uh, the Titans backup running back, Chris Henry, who won Titans coach, said he was, the, they call him the cockroach because he ran to darkness every time. He did not find one hole his entire time with the Titans. He ran right into a pile of players. Did Chris Henry and all the crap he took, if there was Twitter around back in the uh, mid-2000s when he was playing, do you think that he would block as many people? I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so I think that Deion Lewis, much better blocking people on Twitter than Darrington Evans. And I hate to say it, but he's probably better of a blocker in the games than Darrington Evans. But I think Darrington Evans is going to be a lot more effective as a pass catcher out of the backfield, as someone who may break a run or two uh, this season, you know, and, and get some big plays. I don't think Deion Lewis is all that effective in that department. And the stats show that. I think Darrington Evans is an upgrade in that respect to answer your to answer your question uh chris um uh chris henry twitter was not around but chris henry would take every single titans fan out of his top eight on myspace 
That's for sure. <laughs> what was his MySpace cover song, by the way? Yeah. You had the cover song that you go yeah. to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you imagine going to someone's page on anything now and just music like Nickelback starts blaring back at you? Yeah. Wait, wait. Did what was? Uh, hold on. What was your cover song? What was on MySpace? I think it may have actually been Nickelback. <laughs> This is before the anti-Nickelback sentiment yeah, started. Right, right. They, people forget. Still, they were they were great for like two or three years, Nickelback, yeah. when they first came out. It was 04, maybe, 03, 04, when I created a MySpace page. Yeah. I remember I just graduated college and was living in a house with four other guys in, in the Belmont neighborhood. And uh, I would go to my MySpace page, and I remember a Nickelback song. <laughs> I vaguely remember a Nickelback song with Blair loudly every time I went to my MySpace page to see what, what was going on. This is how you remind me, or were you more of like a photograph? I think guy? that was even like before. I think this was pre. This is how you remind me. It was whatever the <laughs> hit was before that. I don't even remember the name of the song, but it was on there. So you My, discovered Nickelback pretty much. Yeah, Chad, yeah. Chad, Chad liked Nickelback before they were good. <laughs> I was uh, moonlighting as a band manager in the early aughts, and I actually found them at a rundown club in Fort Collins, Colorado and signed them to uh, Arista Records at the time. And they really hit it big from that point on. You, I have you, no idea what label they're with. but You'd think story. more people would talk about that, you know, like <laughs> local radio. It's going to be on the bottom of my Wikipedia page under other. <laughs> Chad Lipper discovered Nickelback and signed them to a record deal before anyone else knew they were going to be good. And then he immediately backtracked and didn't talk about Nickelback ever again once everyone hated Nickelback. That's, uh, my, mine, was, uh, mine was Wonderwall by Oasis. That's that a good was, one. Yeah, I was a little more that emo. Stood the test. Unlike Nickelback, that Oasis song has stood the test of time. So good job. Right. Y'all are older than me, man. I never made it on MySpace. I, I was the dawn of times in Facebook, though. I was that next era. I was the Gen Z Facebook guy, you know? Yeah. But um, you're, it's hilarious because you're actually the second guest to bring up Chris Henry. Joe Dubin did the same thing. We, we, play, we do a segment called Dumpster Dive, and I'm going to ask you for yours here in a second. But Dumpster Dive is a Titan or former Titan – that you had high expectations for that didn't really pan out. Uh, mine is Zach Mettenberger. Austin's is Tyrone Calico. Who would be your Titans dumpster dive? Zach Mettenberger. Things went south for him at Losers that night. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It wasn't just that night that they went south, but yes, you're right. Oh, man. I saw Zach Mettenberger at a steeplechase one year. Just, I mean, and everybody at steeplechase is hammered, but just right. hammered drunk. And he had, like, the, the polo shirt that – he had no undershirt on and this thing was down to his navel. Like as the day went on and the heat got higher, like the, the you know, you have like the chest showing in your shirt most of the time. Right. Like it was down to his belly button. I, and I remember sitting there looking at him thinking, yeah, this guy's not a franchise quarterback in the NFL. I, I just don't see it. Yeah. Um, you're right. You're right. Everyone at steeplechase is drunk. So if he stood out as being drunk, that should tell you how drunk he was. Yeah. I'm thinking like this probably isn't the savior of Ken Wisenhunt in the Titans, in the Ken Wisnett era. Yeah, this isn't the next Tom Brady, if you will. No, no, I don't, I mean, Tom Brady had his fun and still does, I'm sure, but I don't think Tom Brady would be seeing him like that at Steeplechase in Nashville. So my guy, uh, I'm a Tennessee guy and and graduated from UT. I I remember in the year year 2000, from the old Conan O'Brien In the year 2000. In the year 2000, I was very excited about the signing of Carl Pickens at the end of his career because I loved watching him, listening to John Ward calls of Carl Pickens. The guy played both ways at Tennessee, defensive back and receiver. Had some great – I mean, led the NFL, I think, in, re- in receptions one year, maybe 96 with Cincinnati. Had a good career with Cincinnati. 
was a very productive player. And, I, you know, hope against hope. You knew in that last year with Cincinnati he was on his way down. But I'm thinking he's going to make something big happen. He's returning to the state of Tennessee. He's going to be a Titan. And it was a complete dud of a year. I think he played in like 12 of 16 games, had a couple of big catches, but that was about it. And then he was done. And he retired after that. So Carl Pickens was the one that I had high hopes for that just did not deliver as a Titan. I was almost positive you were going Justin Hunter when you began that answer. <laughs> yeah. I, I knew – watching Justin Hunter and hearing things about him, I knew he was a great athlete, a good guy, but not exactly that dog in the locker room that you want, if you know what I mean, from a competitive standpoint. Uh, the guy could have been an Olympic, you know, track athlete, of the track that he was on. So, I mean, he was a great athlete, but I, I never had huge expectations for him for whatever reason. But Carl Pickens – at the end of his career, I thought he was going to be uh, the, the first great Titans receiver at that point. Carl Pickens. I wanted a Carl Pickens jersey so bad. When he first came over to the Titans, I was like, oh, yeah, this is it. I'm going to get – like." and I remember a kid in my middle school had a Carl Pickens jersey, and I was so envious of him. I, and I never ended up getting it, uh, but instead opted for the Yancey Thigpen, which I, I feel like is in a similar vein of just Titans wide receivers that kind of a flash in the pan – now, Carl Pickens brings up a great um, topic that I feel like is huge amongst Titans of the wide receiver that is at the end of his career that ends up signing with the Titans. And David Givens, yeah. David there's, Givens. There's so many examples. Andre Algie Johnson. Algie Crumpler as Algie? a tight end exception. Randy yes. Moss is a Randy Moss. Moss. Who, who is, to you, who is the, your favorite finished his maybe not finished his career but signed with the titans at the end of his career when like his best days were behind him wide receiver it's got to be randy moss in that little stretch <laughs> of the season that he was a titan yes oh. we're actually buying randy moss jerseys and the titans couldn't find a way to get him on the field <laughs> much less for him to be productive was just an astonishing end to a career uh with with randy moss with the titans and it's it's you know, we do these Nashville sports retrospectives on the Midday 180, and we've talked about looking back at the Randy Moss era with the Titans, which lasted, what, four or five weeks or yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. But it was like four of the five of the greatest weeks in Titans history. Talk to his teammates, talk to a coach from that staff, and what that all was like was just uh, – was really remarkable at the end of a, a Hall of Famer's career that he was a Titan and did absolutely nothing in his time with the Titans. Yeah, he wasn't. He, he wasn't really excited to be here a whole lot, was it? I don't think he had the best time in Nashville. I don't think Randy Moss was ever excited to be anywhere. Starting with <laughs> <laughs> growing up in West Virginia, I think that affects someone to where they're just not excited to be anywhere. But that's just sort of Randy Moss's personality. Was his default setting was pissed off about everything, and I think that was certainly the case when he was here with the Titans. He didn't want to be here. I don't know that he ever wanted, really wanted to be anywhere. Um, but he was a great player, no doubt about that. And he, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like he went to, he went back to San Francisco after Tennessee and got, got actually a decent amount of production in that final year with, uh, with the 49ers again. I, was he on the Super Bowl team? Yeah. Yes, he was. And he was, I mean, he was playing. Yeah. I remember vaguely he was, he was catching passes, which he was not doing in Nashville. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think he went on better. It was very odd. It was, it, why trade for him if you think he's got nothing left? And then, you know, the excuse was, well, he got here and he just can't run anymore. Yeah. Well, then they can't figure out a way to get something for him to get him in the game. It was just a very odd scenario. 
I, I just remember being at, like a Titans fan and just always being so frustrated with the front office for never making the, 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 the splash the signing. Splash. Yeah. Like the, the big name, like bringing them into the Titans franchise. And then they do it with Randy Moss, like in the middle of the season. And then it was one of those things where it was like, okay, that's not what we were talking about. When we, said <laughs> we wanted a big name. Like we preferably when they're still, when they've still got a little, you know, gas left in the tank. Yeah, that's, of the, that's not the guy that you really yeah, it, I, yeah i'm with you on that but the randy moss thing will never get old six of the best catches in his career came as a titan okay chad before we get you out of here i want i have a question i told austin before and i really want to know what you think about this if the midday 180 had a three-man cage fight to the death mm. who would come out the victor Ooh, good question i was thinking paul kaharski would just verbally abuse everybody until they left the ring <laughs> but I want to. I want to know what you think. It would definitely be me or Hutton. Um, the Paul would be a distant third. So the answer would be you. It would be me. I think. <laughs> I, I think. I, I feel pretty good about my chances of winning that fight. I honestly think that I know you hate Hutton, but if he was ever a guest in this podcast, he he would probably say the same. <laughs> hold on, no, no, hold on, hold on. Good, good one, well. Chad. Good one. <laughs> <laughs> ever a guest on this podcast? That's, that's classic. <laughs> It would definitely be me or Hutton, but I'm putting my money on me in a, a cage match because I'm willing to fight dirty and uh, I do whatever it takes. So, yeah, whatever, whatever it takes, I, I would make happen. Paul doesn't fight. You know, he talks about this. Hope Hines once challenged him to a fight in the no locker way. room and, and even said, we can take it outside the locker room if you're a professional and don't want to do it in here. And Paul cowered at that point. So <laughs> Paul will tell you, I mean, he, he just says, I'll sue you. He's kind of like the George Washington Duke in Rocky Five of fighting. Once someone <laughs> challenges him, and after he talks trash, he just says, touch me and I'll sue. That's Paul. So he's not physically fighting anyone. So it, it would be me. It'd be me or Hutton, but probably me. Also, Paul was definitely that kid that would take his ball and go home after a hard tackle, like in, in tackle football out in the yard. No question yeah, about it. No doubt. No doubt at all. I'll be honest. If Popine's ever challenged me to a fight, I would probably do the same because <laughs> I – I don't think Hope Hines has ever been angry in his life. So if, I, if, if it ever got to the point where he's like, you want to take this outside? I'd be like, no, Hope, I'm good. Thank you. Hope Hines can throw hands. I mean, he's he had a hard scrabble life growing up. He like put, and I could see Hope Hines putting up his dukes like Jack Johnson. <laughs> yeah, the, the Notre Dame uh, logo. That's, yeah. Old school, like standoff. You don't ever grapple or grab each other. You're just exchanging punches. That's the Hope Hines fight that I want to see. I was thinking oh. the Happy Gilmore Bob Barker fight. That's what I had in mind right there. Right, yeah, right, right. I mean, he, uh, he's got some Bob Barker to him, also. I mean, they both have some Anchorman to them, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would love to see Hope Hines fight someone. Hopefully, we can make that happen one day. I think you we'll should be working best. in the snack bar. Um, <laughs> all right, Chad. The um, final question before you go. You've been working at the zone for honestly as long as I remember. Like back in my when I was like interning there as, in college, you were working there alongside Plaster. When I started as an intern, two thousand four. Okay, so you've been there since what the inception of the station? Two thousand three, the station started. I okay. started a year later, so I'm, I'm a I'm a year younger than the station at this point. That's incredible. Which just goes to speak, like obviously. To have a job anywhere for that long in radio is, is a testament to just how good you are at, at your job and how hard you work. So you've been there for forever, and which means you've overcome some terrible takes over the day from listeners specifically. 
I want to know what's one take that just like still resonates and sits with you today? Because I, I remember like back in the days when I was like screening calls at the zone, I, there was a caller one time that called and wanted to get on the air with the take of, or with the question of why the Titans don't trade for Tom Brady. To me, that's one that just like always sits with me of like, wow, that is a terrible take. That is a terrible just question to ask. You have been there for much longer. What is a take that just like to this day, you're like, gosh, that, that, is, a, that is a Mount Rushmore take of bad. There's a, there's a bunch, first and foremost. But if I had to narrow it down to a couple that just jumped to mind, one was probably six or seven years ago. I'm hosting Primetime, the 6 o'clock show. And a guy now has become one of our best callers and best social media interactors on the show, Ricky and West End, calls in. Ricky's a huge Vandy fan, okay? <clears throat> and we had like a one-question-to-answer or something. And my answer, I think, was a Pat Summit about a Tennessee legend. So he wanted to call in and, and tell me how Pat Summit wasn't really that good the whole time. And his premise was, you know, women's basketball just wasn't that good. There were only, you know, three or four teams. And my point was, well, he, she built that team, right? Pat Summit is the reason that there's women's college basketball in a lot of ways. So she's, she's the architect. She's the James Naismith in many ways of starting a program. Everyone had the ability to start a dominant women's program, and she did it. And it was, she was so good at it, the Tennessee, they wanted her to coach the men. And she turned them down twice. That's right. And she's That's the right. only person in history that I can recall that got offered a men's job at a Power Five conference because that's how confident people were. And he, we're just going back and forth. And Ricky's a very smart guy and has very good takes. That was definitely his worst. The other one that jumps out recently, everyone was watching The Last Dance, right? So we spent time talking about it. We had a guy who called in, called in one week and called back in the next week. And he complained that we were talking so much about Michael Jordan and that the last dance spent so much time on Michael Jordan. And he said, why don't oh guys, why don't we spend 10 hours on John Stockton? You know, there's not enough John Stockton coverage out there. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? Not enough John Stockton. So I joked and said, John Stockton's cousin, ladies and gentlemen, has called into the I, I was going to say, was that Carl Malone that called in? Like, <laughs> Jeff Hornacek, by the way. Greg Ostertag's little brother has called in and wants to talk to John. It was the weird. So we're making fun of him. And he calls back and tries to clarify. But his clarification is basically John Stockton's the greatest basketball player of all time. It was very strange. Um, I, yeah, that's one that uh, that's one I'll never forget. Wow, that's, that's that's a brutal one. Oh my God, man! Like I, I, I'm not even like I'm. I'm kind of sad for that man. <laughs> yeah, we started coming up with uh, different like ten hours on obscure NBA stars that we could spend next. Like, can we get ten hours on Detlef Shrimp? Yeah. <laughs> or like I would watch it. I'd watch a good four hours on the Duncan Dutchman, Rick Smith. Oh hell like yes, that. yes. Um, let's have three hours on Brian Russell on the push-off with Jordan, or really him tripping when you watch it again. It was, it was an incredibly bad take that I'll never forget. Uh, he is Chad Withrow. Find him every weekday on 104.5 The Zone as host of the Midday 180 with Paul Kaharski and uh, <laughs> he is he's awesome. He's, he's great. He knows his stuff. He knows – literally he knows – and he, he's the first guy on this podcast to ever drop a Greg Ostertag reference and a Rocky Five reference all in one sitting. 
Chad Withrow, dude, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Gentlemen, this was fun. I'll come back anytime, and I'll continue to defend Jonathan Hutton when I come back. <laughs> well, no, we're not going to have you back on for that reason. Okay, but great. We'll have you back on. <laughs> I didn't want to do it anyway, so that's good. That's, that's good to know how I can get out of it. Well, thanks, Chad. There are no flags on the field. It's a miracle. Tennessee has pulled a miracle. All right, special, 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 special thanks to Chad Withrow for joining us. And I'm always so excited to get Chad Withrow on this podcast. I say always, like we've done it multiple times. This is the first time he's been on the podcast. But I'm I'm very excited to get him on the podcast, mainly because he's not Jonathan Hutton. Yeah, he has that going for him. And that's a big thing to have going for you. Right. But in all, in all seriousness, Chad's great. Oh, my gosh. The Titans, the Titans insight he has, he's pro-clowny. Finally, yeah. we found one who's pro-clowny after – Luke yes. Worsham, yes. Buck Rising, Joe Dubin all shot us down. We finally found Chad Withrow. Thank you, Chad. I was starting to wonder if you and I were the only ones that wanted Jamie Clowney as a Titan. I was really nervous. Like I was like, well, wait a minute. Are we? Are, are Jack and I the only ones that are pro Jadavian Clowney coming to Nashville? Yeah, it just didn't feel like there were a lot of us out there. But yeah, maybe Chad's maybe Chad's the first string of people who are pro Clowney. Hopefully. We bring in, we bring on more sensible guests here. I feel like that's where it starts. Is it's bringing yeah. on a sensible guest who understands that Jadavian Clowney is the right. key for this team, right? Which I didn't plug it during the interview, but um, if you ever get a chance, check out his Chit Chad podcast. Um, it's through the one hundred four five The Zone podcast network. It's it's a great listen, and and if I'm saying that on our podcast. For you to listen to another podcast, that should tell you how great it is. I don't normally do that because you should only be listening to the Titan Up podcast. Um, rate, review, and subscribe. It's available wherever <laughs> podcasts are found. But if you're listening to this right now, then you've already found it. So congratulations. But yeah, so the, check out uh, the Chit Chad podcast. He's awesome. Chad's awesome. Thank you. We appreciate his time. He spent a lot of time with us um, for mm-hmm. that interview. We appreciate it. Um, someone that we don't love as much as Chad Withrow. It's a great segue there. Adam Rank. If Adam Rank came out with his uh, 2020 record prediction for the Tennessee Titans, he does it for all of the NFL teams, but he did it for the Tennessee Titans. And if you don't know who Adam Rank is, that's okay. <laughs> Trust me when I say this. You're you're probably in a better spot than good us. for you. Yeah. Yes, I I wish I remember the days of before I knew who Adam Rank was, <laughs> and I only he, figured out who, who who figured out who he was last year after yeah. completely embarrassing himself and doing a horrible job at his job, which is record predictions. Yeah, he's essentially a toddler with a touchscreen. That's Adam Rank because all he does is he's just. He's just tapping letters next to games with no rhyme or reason. And the reason I say this is because last year he predicted the Titans to go three and 13. Okay. Now look, coming into the season last year, I I try and put myself in that spot. What did I expect from the Titans? I don't know, but I can tell you this never since the Ken Wisenhunt days, did I expect a three and 13 season from the Titans? That's just, that's, that's absurdly bad for a team. And he, for some reason, thought that the Titans were going to just crap the bed. And I think this was even after, maybe this was before, but I feel like this was after Andrew Luck announced his retirement. Let's just, for the sake of our argument, say it was after to make him look even worse. But so you don't, 
he, he picked a thirteen, a three and thirteen season. And um, spoiler alert: the Titans last year went nine and seven and made it to the AFC Championship. Suck it, Adam Rank. Suck it, Adam Rank. <laughs> so if he had the Titans at three and thirteen last year, and they go nine and seven and go to the AFC Championship, he has them this year at eight and eight, finishing second in the AFC South and missing the playoffs. Hmm. So that tells me the Titans are going 14 and two and winning the Super Bowl. <laughs> you beat me to it. That was going to be my exact reaction as well. Adam Rank is such a dunce, su- such a blasphemous record predictor. Not to mention that he also predicted the 49ers to go three and 13. Well, they made it to the Super Bowl. So <laughs> this, this guy's a so he's, so he's hot, man. He's a hot. Play the hot hand. You know, he's good. He's good. At least he's consistently bad with every team and not just the Titans. But yeah, it's, I love the fact that you use the word dunce when talking about him. That's first of all, strong dunce is a word that is not used as much as it probably should be. Dunce is, if you're a dunce, that to me is one of the worst words you can be called because it hasn't been used so in, in so long. So if you're going deep enough into your vernacular for the word dunce to call someone, that to me tells you that you are an idiot. And Adam <laughs> Rank is the dunciest of the dunces. I can't stand him. And I hate that people still put value in his predictions. Even Titans fans. Just yeah. completely ignore the guy. He wants your attention. He He's farming impressions by absurdly picking predictions right. on, you know, teams, wins and losses in, in the Titans. He had them at five and eight. Okay. Heading into the last three games of the season, which he so generously uh, awarded the Titans wins for those three. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Don't, yeah. So don't, oh, don't do it guys. He, so he has the Titans starting off three and one with losses to the Broncos, the no, one and three, one and three or yeah. Sorry. One and three, one and three with losses to the Broncos, the bills, and the Jaguars with the lone win coming against the Colts. I feel like the, I'm I'm taking crazy pills here. If anything, I would I would almost reverse that with the lone loss coming to the Colts. First of all, Titans are not losing the Jaguars in Week Four like they did last year. That's not that's just not happening. Um, and then uh, or well, I, no, sorry, I guess it's not Week Four. Is it Week Four? Mm-hmm. How it's breaking down? They the Titans have the Bills in Week Two. Yeah, I believe so because it, it goes Broncos, Bills. Oh Colts, no, no, no! Jags. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, it's not. It's uh, the Broncos, Jags, Vikings, oh. Steelers start, start the season. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna have to edit this, that out. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. We'll edit it out. Don't worry. No one will know that we're <laughs> big idiots. <laughs> well, uh, no. So the, the Broncos, Jaguars, Vikings, and Steelers. He still has the Titans starting one and four. He, uh, he hasn't being the Browns. Thankfully, I'm a little bit surprised there. We beat them by a hundred last year, so I'm glad he has the Titans winning that one. <laughs> yeah, he has them beating the Lions. Gee, thanks, Adam Rank. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, bud. <laughs> I that's really generous of you, man. Uh, last year, he, he probably would have had them losing to it, but yeah, it's it's just so stupid. He he really doesn't deserve this much time that we're giving him, but he he is a dunce by every sense of the word. And the one positive thing that came out of this is that a game that is a high-profile game for the Titans on the road at Lambeau, I don't know why, just put it together, Matt LaFleur revenge game. I want Matt LaFleur's head on my desk 
week 16 of the season when the Titans go to the Green Bay Packers. Uh, that's a good, that's a game I'm excited for. Uh, I guess Matt, I guess I was, I was short-sighted to that. Um, and Adam Rank really, really put me on to it just I, by refreshing I, I, my memory. Yeah, no, you're right. And I want the Titans to go into Lambeau week 16 with uh, not a playoff spot. I want them to already be clinched um, by then, hopefully. And, yeah. um, you know, they clinch the AFC South, but they're playing in Lambeau against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. And I, or Aaron Rodgers will probably be injured. So it'll, the Packers backup quarterback. And I want them to have the ball down late on the – you know, I want it to be fourth and goal from the one yard line. And I want them to have just signed Luke Stalker off a free agent contract for that week. And I want them to hand off the ball and him to run it in for a touchdown just to stick it in Matt LaFleur's dumb face for, for doing that against the Texans a couple years ago. People don't forget Matt. All right. Matt LaFleur also was a dunce. He he was a dunce for that. That was, that was a dunce moment, right? So him, he's maybe a him dunce Adam Rank have, have more in common than I want. Yeah, Matt Lafleur. I yeah, Matt Lafleur might even be in the doofus uh, factor. Ooh, <laughs> I like doofus in the the scientific categories for animals. He is in the doofus family. <laughs> also, releases this week. The Madden trailer came out. Madden twenty one. Now I'm not a huge gamer, but I do. Madden is one of the few games that I I enjoy playing, and. Like the 2020 NFL playoffs commercial, the Titans got a whole two seconds in this trailer. <laughs> are, look, are the Titans back? <laughs> are the I Titans mean, now finally getting some recognition? They got two whole seconds in this commercial. and That's, that's two more seconds than they've gotten in like the combined last 15 years, so we'll take it? I don't think the trailer for Madden 2001 when Eddie George was on the cover, the Titans got that much love from the Titans <laughs> Madden trailer. <laughs> they, I'm, just, they, I'm just really happy that Derrick Henry didn't get the cover because oh, what comes along with the cover? The Madden curse. We don't. It's we can't have that. Right we after we found it. some success, we can't have the Madden curse come to Nashville. You can't have that. Uh, featured one second of Derrick Henry trucking some digital player and Mike Vrabel. Uh, the only, from what I what I believe, the only head coach to make the Madden trailer this year, he was of course uh, wearing a hat though, so I he don't looked, know. He looked like a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> it's it's what he looked like in the Madden trailer. He so, did. It, like was was that the first time? I'm pretty sure. I'm, and I was trying to rack my brain this afternoon. I don't think I've ever seen Mike Vrabel in a hat ever in my entire life. No. <laughs> No, he just, wears the, this Madden trailer. he just wears the headset. I was thinking we may get a, if Madden was smart, they'd have thrown a little, a little pad on him, you know, and, and had him in the end zone. <laughs> right. Shucking some defensive linemen. Yeah. Put him in the, uh, the practice mode on, on Madden and just have him, have your players go up against him. There was, if you do, if you did look at the screenshot closely, right behind Vrabel fist pumping in the one second of the trailer. I don't know how you missed it. If you, if you, <laughs> if you watched it, but in the right behind him, there's a Tennessee Titan defensive player wearing number 91. Oh, uh, Jadavian Clowney. I think so. I think think that's what it has to mean. Maybe a Marcus Golden, but probably a Jadavian Clowney. Whoa, not Marcus Golden. We want Jadavian Clowney. (laughs) We'll not settle for Marcus Golden. 91 is Jadavian Clowney, and that's that. Uh, Jack, my question for you, will the the Madden game 
the new Madden 21, will the game have fans in the stands? You know, because they, they pride themselves on being the most realistic game out there. And Well, I'll tell you this much, Austin, and it may be a take, but that's okay. The fit, there will be fans in NFL stadiums this year, and I think they'll be 100% capacity. I think so. So most it, most most NFL stadiums, most the Jag- NFL stadiums. Jaguars will still not have fans. They'll actually. still have the upper deck tarped and everything. Yes, tarp. of course. Of course. <laughs> so everywhere besides the Jag Stadium, which will be filled at quarter capacity, twenty five percent. Yeah, no, I think there will be fans in the game. I, I think there will be fans in real life. So uh, I guess time will tell. But yep, what, what if there aren't fans in real life? Do they then have to edit out the fans in the game? Or uh, I don't see that. Yeah, see that's what I, I don't know. I'm glad I don't make that decision. Right. Yeah. And like, can you catch COVID in Madden 21? That's what I'm curious. Like, you know, it's you're playing a season and, you know, you've got, you've got Ryan Tannehill and he's just going off. He's having a killer year, but then he catches COVID. Then it's, mm. what do you do? What do you do then? Do, oh, another question would be, do they factor in the antibodies? So Zeke has it now. Would he then be immune in Madden? Uh, there's a lot That's to a great about. question. That's a great question, man. That's a great question. I also am curious as to what the Titans' ratings will be. Um, uh, you got to think that Ryan Tannehill's awareness and wokeness will both have to be at least a 99, right? That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> but with the Titans, it's it's just a cop-out for video games in Madden to, to just throw throw 85 on them. Good, not great, not bad. <laughs> yes, for the yes. Titans. Here's your 85. Move along. Next. <laughs> yeah. When the uh, developers at EA Sports come across the Titans, like for their homework, it's like, well, this is just easy. Like they, they're actually licking their chops because it's. Look, we know what we what we have to do. We just give them all 85s, and then we move on to the next team. <laughs> and then they have to they spend just a got more done time on other teams. They just got done spending 12 hours on figuring out how the hell to rate the Cleveland Browns, and then the Titans come up 85 next. Who we got? Eagles? Okay, let's talk about it. <laughs> and speaking of Madden 21, the cover athlete himself, Lamar Jackson, kind of uh, made a little bit of news in the Nashville area. Um, I guess today he went on Complex's load management podcast. Now again, I, I here I am dropping another podcast name into our podcast. Don't don't go listen to it. We'll we'll tell you what he said on it. You don't have to go listen to another podcast. Um, but he he went on there and said that he wants to focus on quote not peeking ahead this season, as apparently that mentally got. Lamar Jackson in trouble against the Titan. Here's the quote, what he said. That's what happened in the playoffs, and we end up losing to the team people had us favored over. It's any given Sunday. Technically, that was a Saturday. You can't underestimate no team, no opponent, and that's what we did. So I'm looking forward to this 2020 season playing the Browns first. Don't underestimate your opponents. They caught us by surprise. That's all it was. Um, a couple of things. First, you can totally underestimate the Browns. You don't have to, like, you don't, you could probably look ahead to week two, Lamar. Go like, ahead. It's a video for real. week two ready. Lamar, all you have to do is just, like, make sure your shoes are tied against the Browns and you'll go off for, like, 200 <laughs> yards rushing. <laughs> okay. So that, that out of the way. Second, um, they caught us by surprise. I don't think he's wrong in saying that. I do think the Titans did 
catch them by surprise that, that everyone was talking about the Ravens in the Super Bowl, or at least the Ravens and the Chiefs in the AFC Championship. And the no one was expecting the Titans. It was like, oh, sweet, you knocked off the Patriots, but you're not going to do the same thing to the to the Ravens. And that's fair. I'm completely fine with people counting the Titans out. The Titans should have been counted out from where they where they were at. They were a nine and seven team in the season. Um, but yeah, and it it probably was a little bit of the Ravens getting a little bit over their skis when it came to playing the Titans. But you also have to remember this. Like, I don't I, I love this and I hate this all at the same time. We don't mainly because we don't need a more focused Lamar Jackson in the NFL. It, to me, it was like nice. Like it was like, it was great that the Titans got that win, but it also is kind of a double-edged sword in the sense that Lamar Jackson's probably not going to make that same mistake again, where he's going to look past an opponent or kind of, you know, he'll no matter who he's playing in the playoffs, he's going to show up focused. And the Ravens and the Chiefs are the two teams that the Titans have to go through, especially to make it to the Super Bowl. And if you if you remember, the Titans dominated that game. Yes, they won 28 to 12. From but the people, start. Yes. But people forget, so did Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson also dominated that game. 365 yards passing, 143 yards rushing. Really where the game was won was on fourth down. They turned the ball over on downs like, what two or three times in that game mm-hmm. and then they, they had a couple of interceptions i that it, it was nice that the titans got the win but i'm also just I, i'll be honest i'm scared as hell over lamar jackson it's the reigning mvp in the nfl he's really good and i don't want him to be more focused yeah that's fine and i get it look past the titans they they weren't exactly the dream team for the first two thirds of the season, but they did catch on what you should have at least taken note once they beat the Patriots and ended a dynasty that had lasted two decades. But yeah, so the Titans will have a taste of Lamar Jackson again, week 11 of this season in Baltimore. You'd think he'd want revenge. I would trade a regular season loss for a playoff win. I think we all would, but yeah, that's disturbing. And another thing that stinks is that while the Titans' window is open for a championship right now, so are the Ravens and the Chiefs, yes. who are just absolute forces to be reckoned with in the AFC, and that stinks, but it is what it yeah. is. And to be the best, you got to beat the best. So we are focus Lamar Jackson, bring him on. we got to focus Derrick Henry. If you would have told a Titans fan like three years ago, like, hey, in 2020, it, it's looking like the Patriots' window for a championship is closed for good. I think every Titans fan would take that. Yeah. However, what they don't tell you, you don't read the fine print and say, oh, also, but there will also be two massive beasts in the AFC with the Chiefs and the Ravens that you also have to go through. So uh, good luck with that. Like it, it, it's, it's kind of like you, you traded the Patriots for just too much, not much tougher opponents, but just two really tough opponents. Two equally difficult and equally, uh, even more so potent offensively. Yeah, the two reigning Madden covers <laughs> you have to go through. Thanks, God. Um, thanks, football gods. Yeah, thanks for nothing, you dunces. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> just when you thought 2020 couldn't get any worse, 
Actually, you know what? I'll pose this as a question. Jack, what's the worst thing in the history of things? Mock drafts. Easy. That's right. <laughs> However, since it's 2020, apparently the world has decided to come up with something much worse than mock drafts. Oh, no. And that is the Adam mock, mock draft. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, just we're not talking humans here. The worst human is obviously Adam Rank, but the worst just thing is a mock redraft, which apparently this has like gotten to be one of those things like uh, you can only pick three or the uh, the cafeteria. You have fifteen dollars table meme. You have fifteen (laughs) dollars build you a roster. Yes, it has become as tired as that to where we're kind of on the outskirts of quarantine. We're looking for just content and people are going with the redrafts. And the biggest one of note uh, came, and it may have been the first one started from ESPN.com. And uh, yeah, they were like, you know, the three months in between the end of the NFL season and the, <laughs> and, and the draft are just not enough time to come up with mock drafts. So we're going to do it now after the draft is over with, mock redrafts and what the, essentially what they do is they take every player in the league right now and they just hold a draft and draft players so for example with the number one overall pick the cincinnati Bengals in this espn article take patrick mahomes okay rightfully so that makes sense patrick mahomes is the best player he's a quarterback he's he's what every team every team would kill for a patrick mahomes uh, Washington takes Russell Wilson at number two, which is a little shaky. And Detroit takes Lamar Jackson at number three. So you kind of see where they're going with this. Mm-hmm. There were a few notable things here. First of all, 32 teams, they went to the just the first round, 32 teams chose. And not one of those teams chose Derrick Henry. Yeah. What? There's only one running back even taken in this whole first round. Who wrote this article? Adam Rink? Well, (laughs) there's also 20 quarterbacks in the first round. Are you kidding me? 20. And you know what makes even less sense? The Titans have an elite receiver. They drafted Tyreek Hill at 29. So, uh, And I'm glad you brought that up because. What's going on? I don't know how you feel about that that pick. But, okay, so, yeah, the Titans, they, they said Tyreek Hill. Literally 20 other teams took quarterbacks, and the Titans are like, no, we'll go with the wide receiver first. First of all, <laughs> when has that ever been the case with the Titans? When have they ever said, yeah, we really need to focus on the wide receiver position? Really prioritize it. Yeah. They're like, well, we've never had a wide receiver, so we'll, we figured we'll start with one in this made-up redraft. But So they take Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill is very talented. But personally, and if we're getting real here, I don't ever want to see Tyreek Hill in two-tone blue. Call me old-fashioned, but there's something about guys who punch their pregnant girlfriends uh, and abuse their kids that I just Mm -hmm. don't want on my team, ever. I don't care if Tyreek Hill is a free agent next year and the Titans are in need of receiver. Give me someone else. I don't care. I just don't – I could never find myself rooting for a Tyreek Hill. It's a bad look, but when you look in Kansas City and what what they've had up there with Kareem Hunt as well – you're you're not surprised that Tyreek stuck around over there, but another <laughs> yeah. another thing that's of note: only one Titan was drafted. Ryan Tannehill at 25 goes to the oh, Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, naturally, what? <laughs> the perfect fit. Although Tannehill was 10 picks exactly 
behind what I think was the most blasphemous pick in the draft. Austin's going to probably disagree. Denver at number 15. They're the only player <laughs> besides Tampa at 14 who retained their a player originally on their team. They took Drew Locke at 15 overall. <laughs> you have the whole NFL, and Drew Locke goes 15th in the redraft. Well, I mean, you can't knock the guy. You can't knock how, how well he played in the six starts in his entire career. <laughs> you did a no, nice, nice sideline rap video where he was uh, he was covering for, I think it was Jeezy, maybe? Yeah, so, yeah, young Doc. Jeezy. Yeah, that was, that was actually, yeah, if we're, if we're ranking these guys off of video virality, then I would say Drew Locke is it was probably probably under under ranked there. He probably should have gone top ten. But no, Drew. Yeah, I agree with you. Drew Locke at fifteen to Denver is a little crazy, and he um, it, it it actually it's a lot of crazy. I'm not. Even, I can't even. I can't even spin this. Um, he's a good quarterback. I I think, but I don't think he's. I don't think he's a first round in a redraft kind of guy. And this is exactly what ESPN wanted. They wanted us talking about this stupid thing. I hate mock drafts. Jack, you hate mock drafts. They're the dumbest thing in the world. And the only thing dumber is this. And damn it, we we took the cheese off Austin, the plate. Before we move on, the best part of this was that Jacksonville, who had the ninth pick, blew it. Dak Prescott, number nine, to the Jags. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, at least they didn't go punter. Yeah, you know? true. At least they didn't draft a punter like they, <laughs> they tend to do. I also love um, DeAndre Hopkins going 26th to Houston. Um, Ooh, that's it. I, yeah, I didn't notice yeah, that. You know, that's that's one of those deals where they draft DeAndre Hopkins, but then in the second round, they trade him to another team for like four seventh-round picks or something <laughs> just because <laughs> – just because Bill Bill Ryan. oh he's an idiot uh oh my god so anyway all right so um oh man we we have an email here that we've been meaning to get to for the last two weeks from our guy kenny blanco we just don't have the time for it this week kenny if you're listening we're going to get to your email next week it's a great email and we want to get to it uh if you have an email that you want to send to us a to z sports nash or Tighten up pod at a to z sports nashville.com is the email address. Send us your emails, topic ideas, whatever you want. We'll we'll get to them. And Kenny, I, I assure you, I, I hate that we've kept you waiting for two weeks, uh, or maybe even three weeks now. But we will get to your email next week. We're just we just ran out of time. Um he's got before, a great dumpster dive. Oh, it's a great, great dumpster dive. Tease the email, great dumpster dive. Kenny Blanco with a great dumpster dive email. If you've got a great email you want to send. Tighten up pod at a to z sports nashville.com. Before we get out of here, remember the Titan. I'll uh, I'll go ahead and lead. I'm going with none other than Oliver Edward Scaife, aka Bo Scaife, drafted uh drafted by the Titans in the 2005 draft out of the University of Texas. Hook 'em horns. Texas is back, is what I keep hearing. Texas is back. Uh, played with the Titans from 2005 to 2010. He is my dumpster dive, um, and I, yeah, well, because he because he he was such a good tight end. He was so like he was really good, and he, even he was he was one of those guys that even when he was like a thir- second and third string guy, you knew kind of like Jonu Smith. You knew his day was coming, and eventually his day did come, and he got to team up with uh, with Vince Young, and they they ran roughshod. 
I think Bo Scaife is one of the most underrated Titans in history. I really, truly believe that. I think he Oh, is. I love that take. The Titans have always had pretty solid tight ends, but Bo Scaife was really when the position kind of turned. Obviously, Frank Wycheck was, was the first and arguably the best. But then there's some rough years. You, you find Bo Scaife. There's a Ben Troop mixed in there. And then you got Delaney Walker. Uh, Bo Scaife was great. Bo Scaife was exactly what the Titans needed at the time at that position. And he delivered. And he's got another great we, – we talk about great Titans bald heads. We leave Bo Scaife out every time we talk about yeah. it. No, you're right. Bo Scaife is a very underrated. He holds the NFL record. He's the only tight end in NFL history to have a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, a kickoff return, and a tackle all in the same season. Oh my god! I love Bo Scaife, but I think that's right. something Joe Johnu Smith can accomplish. I, 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 I really. You just can't put Johnu on kick return. Don't please don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. He's fast though. He We've is, seen his feet deceptively fast. Um, also, uh, Bo Scaife is what I like to call when I trip and scrape my elbow. It's a Bo Scaife. Ooh, that was so dumb. I, that was, that was, I like it or hate it. No, no that was terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> Go on. Use your remembrance sign. Hurry. Okay, I'm taking Quick. it over. Hurry, okay. Before anyone dwells right. on what I just said. Well, we had Donnie Nicky on the podcast last week. I'm going to go to the Donnie Nicky draft. Everyone calls 2003 the Donnie Nicky draft. We know that. So we're here. Donnie oh, Nicky draft. People who aren't even Titans fans call that the Donnie Nicky exactly. draft. Never been a better fifth round pick in history. So. In the same draft, the Titans had a first-round pick, but it was the 28th overall, so they're a little back. They took, not a Texas guy, an Oklahoma guy, Ooh, Andre Wolfick. Andre. Andre Wolfick, a defensive back out of Oklahoma. He played corner. He played nickel. He, he never really played anything well, though. That was his problem. He only started a total of 12 games throughout four seasons. His career was called after four seasons. Uh, never never played 16 games in a year. Just really was not worth a first-round pick. But at least the Titans did achieve some first-round value later in the draft by selecting Donnie Nicky. Andre is one of those guys who has a name where you have to pronounce it really slowly and enunciate really hard because if not, your mom will probably wash your mouth out with soap. Andre Wolfolk. Wolf. what? Wolfolk. Wolfolk. <laughs> <laughs> Wolfolk. Wolfolk. Folk. If you would have stuck around a little longer, maybe people would know how to pronounce it. <laughs> Andre Wolfolk. Um, yeah, just be careful when you say his name around, you know, like don't don't go around shouting his name in church or anything. <laughs> all right, that does it for this week's Tighten Up Podcast. Thank you. First of all, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you guys. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, I believe this is our last week on the dual feed um, podcast. So if you're if you listen to this podcast on the um, on the A to Z Sports podcast feed, that we're we've now moved to the A to Z Sports podcast feed. I don't I don't honestly I don't know what I'm saying, but it's there's we're switching feeds to our podcast. So make sure you follow us there. Go and subscribe to that one because after this week, you will not hear us on our old feed. Does that, yeah. does that make any sense? That what I just we're, said? we're going to a new feed. We're, we're turning over a new leaf in the podcast game. Right? Yes. We're, so we're joining like Buck Rising's podcast, the 615 Sessions. We're joining the Preds cast, uh, 
the Big Orange podcast. We're joining all of those and just putting them all into one feed. And A to Z Sports, their daily show, is going to be on its own feed. So hopefully that makes a little more no, sense. No, that was a good job. Before just we get- follow us on Tighten Up Pod on Twitter, Tighten Up Podcast on Instagram, and you'll be able to find our podcast each week because we'll link it on there. Uh, and you can subscribe that way. As well as A to Z Sports on Facebook. We also pump our podcast there as well. Before we get out of here, obviously, thanks for listening. Guys, emails, tightenuppod at a to z sportsnashville.com. Send them our way. We want to hear your dumpster dives. Remember the Titans, who you think we look like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We sound like. Who, who we sound like we look like is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Um, who, who, yeah. who do you think we look like based off of how we sound? Yeah. Anywhere you guys want to take it, backup quarterback, Clowney's the best. Obviously, what can we do to bring him here? Should we start a GoFundMe, a campaign, anything? Whatever you guys want, give it to us. Yeah, who's we'll talk about it on the podcast. Give us some crazy ideas for backup quarterback. Give us some the, your craziest idea. It, it could be a current player. It can be a former player. It doesn't even have to be a player. If you want freaking uh, Johnny Moxon from uh, – or, or what's, what's his name? John, Johnny Mox from uh, Varsity Blues. I don't care. Get get us your craziest backup quarterback takes, and we'll we'll read those next week. On and it the, better not be Adam Rank. If you choose Adam Rank, we will block your email. We will report you for spam, and we will we will hire someone in the mob to hunt you down and murder your entire family. Maybe Chris Johnson. You never know. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it. With uh, all of that said, I'm Austin Huff. He's Jack Gentry. Hit me up on Twitter, at Austin Huff. Jack is at Jack A. Gentry. Until next week, tighten up. They're the Tennessee Titans. They're the 